Amen. And our hope is in Jesus this morning. Good to see everyone. Uh, glad to be back from the not-so-hot land of California. <laughs> it wasn't as hot there uh, as it was here. I think our high there was 81 the whole time we were there. So uh, sorry for you guys having to endure that heat. We'll endure that some more uh, this week. Uh, glad to have those of you who are joining with us there online uh, on our Facebook or our Twitter uh, there at HBC Tullahoma or YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, be sure to subscribe, to like, to give us a thumbs up, share that with others. Uh, it's just another opportunity for you to share our services and to share the gospel with your friends. And then also don't forget our phone live streaming. Uh, you can call the church office at 931-455-0645. We'll be glad to give that number to you. If you're here in person and you'd like that to share with your friends, uh, let me know and we'll get that to you. Uh, also don't forget that you can go to our website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. You can download there under the info tab our church worship bulletin for today, as well as the children's worship bulletins. If you need those here in person, they're in the windowsills and at the back uh, and out here outside the offices. Uh, our ushers will be glad to come and to give you one if you need one of those or, or to help you find that. Uh, but so glad to have everybody that's here this morning. Looking forward to the service this morning uh, to get back here in, in, into the saddle of everything and get back in the routine of everything. Uh, we're looking forward to a wonderful blessing this morning. Brother Mike, you'll come and lead us. Good morning, all. Good morning. Take your hymnals and turn to hymn 455. Let's sing, I Must Tell Jesus. Join the choir.
Amen. As we come to our time for our missionary moment, you'll find it there in your bulletin about Lena Eckhart. Lena, is, that is not her real name. Uh, she's working with a group of Muslims uh, there in the United Kingdom uh, who met regularly, uh, these women who have met regularly to study the Bible uh, during the COVID time. As many of us were not able to meet, they were not able also. Uh, but uh, And so most of the women uh, didn't have uh, privacy during their lockdown to share uh, to read God's word and to study God's word uh, because many of them had to keep it secret from their families. And so Lena was able to meet with a few ladies during that time. She asked to meet with those uh, not in attendance and to do the Bible study with them so that no one missed that. And so they're trying to find unique ways to share the gospel uh, with, with Muslims there in the United Kingdom. And so keep uh, Lena Eckhart uh, in your prayers this morning as well as all of our missionaries who are serving all around this world. Uh, we also, this morning, before we pray, want to recognize our fathers because we want to pray for you also. So if you're here this morning and you're a father, would you please stand uh, right where you are? Let's give all these a hand. Would you just remain standing? Let's remain standing as we pray. We want to pray for our missionary as well as for our fathers this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given us. Thank you for those who have answered the call to go to the mission field, uh, especially individuals like Lena Eckhart. You know who she really is, and you know the ministry that she's doing there in the United Kingdom. Father, we just pray that you will continue to open the doors there as they seek to minister to those who are of the Muslims. Uh, Father, I pray that you will continue to open doors there as she uh, does Bible studies with the women and as they continue uh, to deal with the, the the difficulties that they're facing uh, there as well as all of our missionaries face around this world. Place a hedge of protection about them and continue to provide for them. Bless us, Lord, that we might be a blessing to them. And Lord, we want to uplift all these fathers to you this morning. We thank you for the blessing that they are to us and to our lives. We thank you for godly men who are seeking to follow you. And Father, I pray that each one who is here this morning, who is standing, maybe even those who are at home, who are watching, who are fathers, Father, I pray that you will have your blessings upon them to lead and to guide their families uh, in, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that they will be a living example of Jesus Christ before their wife and before their children. And Lord, we just ask your blessings upon them this day as we honor them. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So happy Father's Day. Just want to remind you because of that, we won't have any service tonight. Uh, and then just to remind you of a couple of things, Brother Bobby may say these again at the end, uh, but don't forget that we'll have Lord's Supper next Sunday morning uh, and then business meeting next Sunday night. And then also don't forget, if you're at home, you can do your online giving. Uh, go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side. Click the Give Online tab there. Real easy platform that you can set up your online giving. You can do that here in person. Also, we have many people who do that, uh, and so I encourage you to take the time to do that. There are some offering envelopes in the pew in front of you. If you don't see one, there are some at the back that you can grab one there and you can put those in the offering plate down here at the front or at the doors, either direction as you leave this morning. So, so glad to see everybody this morning. Again, so glad to be back. Brother Mike, you'll come and leave us again. You know, this church is a loving church and uh, uh, we are friends among friends and loving each other and, and loving God at the same time too. And and we do have a dear friend when we have Jesus. So take your hymnals and turn to 182 and sing with the choir as we sing. 
What a friend we have in Jesus, 182. You can stay seated on this one. This morning as our choir sings King of My Heart.
is good. <laughs> Children's Church will be gathering over here during this next song on the piano side. And also, I'd ask that you stand now and sing with us 263. Break thou the bread of life. stepped out for just a minute, but just wanted to thank Pastor Matt for filling in for me last week. I want to encourage you to remember uh, our youth this week as they'll be going uh, to youth camp. Uh, keep them all in your prayers uh, as they leave tomorrow for that. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 14. I'm continuing the series and the life of Jesus. I've entitled the message this morning, Moved with Compassion. The passage you see on the front of your bulletin is next, or is actually tonight's message. Uh, but this is Matthew 14, verse 13, down through verse 21. We're just going to read verse 13 and verse 14 right now. So if you would, let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. 
Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much again this morning for the pleasure and the privilege to join in your presence together as a body of believers and those who are here, Lord, who may not yet have trusted in Christ, those who may even be watching online. Lord, I pray this, mess this message this morning will speak to every one of our hearts to show us the compassion and the love that Jesus Christ has for us, not only in what he did for us on the cross, but every single day of our lives even today. So Father, help us to be blessed by your word. Let your word speak to us. Let it be powerful. Let it be alive. May it be sharper than any two-edged sword to prick our hearts and to help us, Lord, to move to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Today we're going to look back in this passage at one of the more famous miracles that Jesus ever performed because what Jesus did in this miracle, he wants to do even in our lives today. And every one of us has within our possession things that literally Jesus can take and perform miraculous things with us, uh, with those things. And so let me give you the principle that God wants us to understand from his word here this morning, that God adds to what he subtracts from us so he can multiply it and divide it for maximum blessing. So get that, when you give something, that's something subtracted from you, but then he takes and adds to it and actually multiplies it and divides it so not only do you get blessed, but others get blessed when you give of your time and your talents and of your treasures. And so here's the key takeaway that I want you to get from this message this morning is that when we bless others, we many times receive the greatest blessing. So let me show you some steps here that, that put this faith into effect that blesses others and us at the same time. The first thing I want you to see from this passage this morning is that we need to have faith in the face of need. We need to have faith in the face of need. Take verse 13 again, uh, if you will. Actually, we'll just pick up with verse uh, 15. And it says, Now when it was evening... The disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. So notice something here about this miracle. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, this may be one of the most special of all because it's the only miracle that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record in their gospel. So think about that. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, and as great as each one of those miracles were, the only miracle that every single gospel writer was sure to include in their gospel is this one. It's unique in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the things that's unique about it is that it's the only time that Jesus ever asked somebody's advice what to do. 
of all the miracles that Jesus performed, this one was seen by more people than any other miracle. It's a story that's familiar to many of us who are already Christians as Jesus is going to take these five loaves and two fish and feed more than 5,000 people. Each one of these gospel writers who write about this miracle, uh, they tell uh, about this miracle in in different ways. Uh, They emphasize different points. Matthew is telling this story in a way that emphasizes its effect, not so much on, on the large crowd that ate that day, but specifically on the disciples. And so as, the, as these disciples observe Jesus in this story, their faith begins to grow in several ways. One of the things that we see it begins to grow in, and one of the things we need to do is to reflect on Jesus's compassion. That's what you see in verse 14. Uh, so get the picture of what's going on here. It's been a busy day. Uh, You could go back and you could read all the different things that have happened. The last passage, as we talked about, was John the Baptist, who had been beheaded, and and all kinds of miracles have been going on. Crowds have been gathering out in the countrysides. They couldn't hold in the cities anymore. And when Jesus had heard about John the Baptist, it says he withdrew to a place, in verse 13, in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But then notice at the end of verse 13, when the crowds heard it, when they heard he had gotten in the boat, uh, they followed him on foot uh, from the towns. And so when you come to verse 14, when he finally comes to the shore and he goes ashore, there's this humongous crowd. And Jesus has compassion on them and heals the sick. So get the picture. He's withdrawn in the boat for rest. He wants to gather his thoughts because his cousin, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. Uh, He's weary from dealing with the massive crowds uh, as well as the gathering opposition. And, And yet in his few moments of quiet and despite his attempts to withdraw, the crowds find him anyway. You ever go on vacation and you come back and and the work's just piled up Uh, or or everything when you come back just happens uh, at once and you feel like, man, I need another vacation. I need another break. Uh, Well, this was worse. As soon as Jesus arrived on the land, here's this swarm of people who begin to gather around Jesus and they're pressing in on him once again. These are people who are hurting. These are people who are sick and in need of healing. And notice what Jesus doesn't do at this point. He doesn't tell the crowd, man, you guys just need to go home. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I need a break. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say come back the next day. Instead, Matthew tells us that Jesus once again was moved with compassion for them. Even the people who were superficially attached to him. Because remember, amongst this large group of people that were there, there was a large group of these people. They were just there for the miracles. They were just there for the show. Uh, They had come to to see what Jesus would do next. Uh, These individuals uh, were like the second type of soil in the parable of the sower, people who received Jesus gladly one moment and then rejected him completely the next moment. But even in the face of that shadow, Jesus is still compassionate. 
We need to be reminded and to reflect on the compassion of Jesus. But we also need to rely on Jesus' resources. Uh, when you come to verse 15 and verse 16 there uh, that we read just a moment ago, Matthew tells us that it was evening time when this miracle took place. It's around 6 o'clock. The sun was about to set. Uh, notice where they are. They're way out in the country. They're not in the city where all the marketplaces are. Uh, they didn't have a grocery store nearby. And this crisis is brewing, uh, and the sun is setting, and evening is coming. Jesus has been healing people all day long, and, and now evening is coming. Stomachs are growling, and the story gets interesting. The disciples in verse 15, they said, this is a desolate place. The day is now over. Why don't we send them home to the villages uh, to buy food for themselves? They were out in the middle of nowhere. And these disciples, they felt inadequate for the task. However, what we see and what we'll find out here is that these men had no idea just how much they had amongst them and the group of people there for meeting the people's needs. It was kind of for them like standing in front of Niagara Falls and still not being able to find a drink. Jesus looked at them and he says emphatically in verse 16, they need not go away. You give them something. Now get this, the disciples, they didn't bring a massive food amount with them to feed a great huge crowd. Uh, here they are. They're out in the middle of nowhere. In fact, if you read in John's gospel, in John 6, verse 5, he says, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, when you read John's gospel, you might get the idea Jesus doesn't know where there's bread at to, to feed these people. Uh, but what we're going to find out is that Jesus was using this as a test in their lives. So think about this crowd. How large was this crowd? Well, if you read further down in the story, you find out. Uh, we're not told in the beginning, but uh, we find out in verse 21 that the men numbered 5,000. But there were also women and children. And so when you take into account how large families were back in that day, scholars estimate that the crowd probably reached up to twenty to 25,000 people. So imagine you're Philip, and Jesus turns to you, and he says, where are we going to buy bread so these people may eat? And you're thinking, I don't know. Where are we going to find bread for these people? Well, it really wasn't a question. It was a test. In fact, John's gospel tells us that in John 6, 6. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So remember this. Anytime Jesus ever asks us for anything that we have, it's never just a request. It's always a test. He simply is asking us this question, do you trust me or not? That's a question for every one of us to answer every day of our lives. And, and so Jesus is about to reveal here the biggest problem that Philip and the rest of these people were facing. The biggest problem wasn't the fact that the crowd didn't have enough food. The biggest problem was that Philip and the disciples didn't have enough faith. So notice, secondly, 
we need to give Jesus what he asks. Not only to have faith in the face of need, but also to give Jesus what he asks. Uh, So you go back to verse 16. Verse 16, Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17 says, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. In John's gospel, in John chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus asked them, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, what we find in John's gospel, we find a little bit more of the story there about Philip. Philip did what we so often do when God asks us for something that we don't think we can do. We come up with all kinds of reasons why we can't do it. If you read John's gospel in John chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to even get a little. But remember what Jesus asked. Jesus didn't ask how in verse 5. He simply asked where. Here's another thing to remember. When Jesus asks you something, Jesus already knows that it can be done and he knows how it can be done. So Philip gets out his calculator, basically, and he's figuring all the figures, and and he's taking into account, you know, this 200 denarii, that's about eight months' wages of a person, of the average worker, to buy that much food. And he thinks, when he tells Jesus that, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do anything because there's no way we could afford. uh, There's nobody who's even got eight months worth of salary out here in this wilderness, out here uh, in, in these places out in the countryside. And so he has every reason in the world why he can't give what Jesus is asking. First of all, he's saying there wasn't a place to buy that much food. Secondly, even if there was a place, if they didn't have, they, they didn't have enough money to pay for it. Third, even if there was a place to buy it, and even if they had money to pay for it, There wasn't enough time to get it. This is 6 o'clock in the evening. Who's going to bake that much bread in that short amount of time? Fourth, even if there was enough time and they were able to buy buy that 200 denarii worth of bread, everybody would only get a little bit. Think about this. How many times have we all figured out a reason why I can't give God what he's asking for? We, we do it in the, in the aspect of giving to God. We say, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford, I, I, can, I can barely afford to pay my bills. Uh, some of us say, uh, well, me go on a mission trip? I can't do that. I've got a wife and children to look after. I, I might get eaten by a giant mosquito. <laughs> me share my story my salvation experience with somebody. I can't share Jesus with anybody. I might mess it up. I'm just too shy. I don't know enough. What bothered Jesus wasn't the lack of food. It was the lack of faith. The lack of faith in him. It's amazing that Jesus did many miracles in many places but there was one place that, uh, that, that one of the place that he didn't do many miracles, and it was of all places in his own hometown. And do you remember the reason why 
The reason why is found in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58 when it says he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. You see, that's the problem for us. That's the problem of faith. Faith is not in ourselves. Faith is to be in God. And when we don't have faith in God, that is, in, that is unbelief that God can handle the situation that we're facing. So think about what Philip had already seen. Philip had already seen Jesus turn water into wine. He had already seen him heal a sick man's, a man's sick son. He had already seen him give a paralytic man the ability to walk. He had seen him raise people from the dead, and he still didn't get it. He was still sitting there using his calculator. He was still pinching pennies and counting nickels when all the time he didn't understand that he wasn't supposed to be the source of provision. When Jesus asks us for bread, remember this, we don't make the bread. He's asking his disciples to serve the bread. We're the waiters. He's the baker. And so Philip fails this test. And it looks like in the face of this need that all hope is lost. And then notice this happens. Matthew doesn't tell us where the bread and the fish came from. But John does. Look in John's gospel at John 6, verse 8 and verse 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, remember he was Simon Peter's brother, said to him, said to Jesus, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves. And two fish, but what are they among so many? So here was Andrew. He had overheard the conversation. He finds this little boy who's brought his own dinner, but it's just enough for him to eat, or at least that's what it looks like. So let's focus on this little boy for just a moment. Even though all four of the Gospels include this miracle, it's only John who tells us about the little boy who gave his lunch. He had done what everybody else in that crowd should have done. He brought some food for himself to eat. Everybody knew they were going out in the countryside. They knew they might be there for a while. They should have brought some food for themselves to eat. And so we find out that he brought five barley loaves of bread and two fish. Now that may sound like a lot to us because we're thinking of a loaf of bread like we have in our stores today or, or like you see at the marketplace. That's not what this little boy had. It was actually the meal of not just a little boy, but a poor little boy. Five loaves may sound like a lot, but it was actually small little wafers, almost like uh, a little mini pancake, if you will. Uh, the, and, and the word fish here is the, is the word for a small fish, kind of like sardines. So, so little cakes of bread and sardines. What in, what in the world are you going to do with that to feed 5,000? And that's what Andrew says. What is that in the face of, of this great need before us? So what this little boy had was just a little bit. But that what made that little to be big is what that little boy did with it when Jesus asked for it. What did he do? He gave it. And that's where the miracle really starts. At that moment, the most valuable thing to those 20 <clears throat> to 25,000 people and those 12 disciples was a little boy's lunch because that's all the food that there was. 
What made that little boy's lunch so valuable was one thing. It was available. It was available for, for one reason, because that little boy was willing to give what Jesus asked. Somehow that little boy understood what the disciples didn't get. This wasn't a request to the little boy. It was a test to the little boy. Where the disciples failed the test, this young boy got an A+. So think about this. Did Jesus really need this little boy's lunch to feed those people? Absolutely not. I mean, if Jesus had wanted to, he could have taken rocks and turned them into bread. He could have made fish to jump out of the sea into everybody's laps there if he wanted to. But he didn't do that. When Jesus asks for something, it's not because he needs what we have. It's because we need to give what he asks for so we can learn to trust him. Notice the disciples pointing out that they only had five loaves and two fish, which was precisely Jesus' point. He was calling them to do something that they couldn't do in their own power and with their own resources. He wanted them to recognize their insufficiency and at the same time to realize he is sufficient, that Jesus meets the needs in us. His sufficiency to meet the deepest needs in our lives is undoubtedly a key aspect of this story. In John's account of this story, this point becomes even more clear because Jesus used this miracle to teach the crowds that he's the bread of life. In fact, when you read further in John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus says to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So he isn't just the one who gives what satisfies. He is the one who satisfies. To put it another way, he came not merely to give us bread, to give us blessings, but rather to be our blessing, to be our bread, to be the sustaining satisfier to our souls. And so when we try to satisfy our own hunger and try to fill our stomachs with the things of this world, we will come up empty every single time. Jesus alone is the one who's able to meet our needs. Watch this. When you take that step of faith and you give the Lord what he asks for and you do what he wants you to do, even though you can think of lots of reasons why you can't or why you shouldn't, then understand the, this. When you do all that, Jesus will use what you give him. Jesus will use what you give him. That's our third point. Notice in verse 19 and verse 20. Verse 19 says, Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking what seemed to be impossible, this little amount, taking those five loaves and those two fish, he looks up to heaven. And the Bible says he said a blessing. He gave thanks. He broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. So notice, Jesus not only meets needs in us, as if that weren't enough, but Jesus meets needs through us. 
If the point of this story was just to show the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, he could have called bread down from heaven right into those people's laps. But Jesus not only prays for the Father's blessing, he also calls the disciples to do the serving. Notice, get the picture of what happens here. Jesus doesn't hand out a single piece of bread to the crowds of people. He simply gives the, he blesses it. He gives the bread to the disciples, the fish to the disciples, and it's the disciples who distribute it. The disciples are already thinking as Jesus takes this bread and these fish and he blesses it, they're, they're thinking Jesus has lost his mind. How in the world is this going to be enough for these people? But then he does something that seems to us outrageous. He blesses it. He gives thanks. Now, I don't know what he said in that prayer. We're not told what he said in that prayer. But I'm sure he thanked God for that little boy who gave. I'm sure he thanked God for that little boy's faith, for that little boy's food. And I'm sure he thanked God for the opportunity to demonstrate these truths that we're learning. You see, what you're seeing here is the way God operates. Jesus asks for what he wants. We're to give to Jesus what he asks. And then Jesus will take what we give him and he will use it to bless us and others. So are you ready for this? Notice here, God loves to use the little things. Get that picture in your mind and in your heart. If you don't understand that, this is a great truth for you this morning. That you don't have to have millions of dollars. You don't have to win the lottery to be a blessing for Christ. He loves to use the little things. It's not that God can't use big things, but he loves to use the little things. Because that's when he gets the greatest glory and that's when he grows the greatest faith. We sing a song or used to sing a song. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Here's the point. You may think that what you have is small. You may think that what you have is insignificant. You may think it really doesn't matter what I have. Some of the greatest things God ever uses are the little things. Think of all the little things that God used in the Bible to accomplish unbelievable things. He used a slingshot in the hand of a little shepherd boy. Think about that. He used a woman who was a widow who came and brought her offering and she put her might in just a tiny fraction of what everyone else was putting in to the offering. And he used that to teach others. Think of this. He used a teenage poverty-stricken virgin girl to bring about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he used, he said in one of the parables there, the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Think about this. Do you know what really determines the value of something? Whose hands it's in. You can go on Amazon and you can buy a Major League Baseball for about $12. 
If you bought that baseball and you put it in my hands, it'd only be, or your hands, it'd only be worth $12. But if you put it into the hands of a top shelf major league pitcher, that baseball can become worth millions. What made that little boy's lunch so valuable wasn't how big it was, but what he did with it. He put it in the hands of the master. I want you to hear this clearly. He doesn't want you to give what is somebody else's. Sometimes we look at somebody else's things and we say, you know, they've got enough over there. Why don't they do that? Or why don't they do this? Uh, They've got X, Y, Z. And the only thing you have uh, that is of any value is what you're willing to give to God. What is of you to give to him? So how does this all work? Jesus asks what he wants and we give what he asks and he uses what we give him. And then finally we see that Jesus will bless us with what he uses. Notice verse 20 and verse 21. And they all ate and were satisfied. They were full. Get that picture. They weren't just, man, that just barely got me by. Maybe that'll hold me till supper time. They were satisfied, the Bible says. And then we read in verse 20, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. That just blows our mind. That's just amazing. Uh, Nobody could eat another bite. Even though no one had moved away from the table, somehow the table had gotten three inches closer to the stomach. And yet there were still 12 baskets left over. And notice these weren't small baskets. The word for basket there is where we get our English word casket from. It's a large, heavy basket. You know why this miracle is so important to you and me? Because that little boy is you and me. We all have lunches in our possession. We, every single one of us who are here, have talents, have time, And we have resources that God asks for. That little boy could have kept that lunch to himself and fed himself and everybody else would have gone hungry. But because that little boy trusted Jesus and gave him what he asked for, Jesus took and used what he gave him and Jesus blessed what he used. There's one detail here that we cannot miss. That little boy gave all of his lunch to the Lord because Jesus obviously asked for all. He didn't say to Jesus, he didn't say, Lord, well, you can have one fish, but I'm going to keep the other one. Uh, Lord, you take three loaves, but I'm going to keep the other two. No, he gave Jesus everything he asked for. We're not told exactly how this miracle took place. So we could just only imagine how five loaves suddenly, uh, slowly began to multiply from Jesus' hands into the hands of the disciples and, and eventually into the hands of the crowd. And Jesus, what we find here is that Jesus alone is sufficient to meet the needs in us. But he is also gracious to use us to meet the needs in others. How does this impact 
How does this miracle impact our lives where we live today? Here's what I want you to know, that we are surrounded by needs amongst the people where we live, the people we work with here in our own city, much less around the whole world. And so realize that the urgent spiritual and physical needs are all around us. And and if we realize that, don't think, well, what can I do about it? I've only got a little. Understand here that Jesus stands ready to meet the deepest needs of our souls and to use our lives with all of his resources at our disposal to meet the needs of others. If we're going to be the Christians we ought to be, we need to be the most generous, the most giving, the most serving, the most sacrificing, the most proclaiming people on the planet if we're going to be an extension of his mercy and his miraculous power. Notice what John says happened in John 6, verse 12 to 14. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, filled the baskets, filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Get this. Because that little boy gave, it not only changed him, it changed the world around him. It changed the people. So what is the lesson? If you want to experience the blessings of God, if you want God to add to what he subtracts from you and to multiply it and to divide it so you can be a blessing to many others, you have to give him everything. You want to experience life to the fullest? You want to know what life is like to benefit from the laws of faith? Then quit hiding your lunch. Quit acting like my lunch is just too small. The only thing that gives life any meaning and purpose is what we give to Jesus. Think about that again. 5,000 men, much less the women. But think about this. Can you name any of the men? We don't even know who they were. We don't know this little boy's name, but we know he stood out out of all those people. 20 to 25,000 people. Here's this little boy that we're still talking about today. You know who really got blessed that day? It wasn't just the crowd because as soon as they ate, all the food was gone. No, that one, the one that got the blessing was that little boy. Wouldn't you have loved to be there? When he walked into his house that evening and his mama said, well, how did it go with Jesus today? And he said, mama, you should have been there. He took my lunch and he fed over 5,000 people, 25,000 people. And his mom would have looked at him and said, son, sorry, I know you're hungry, but we don't have anything to eat. And the little boy could have opened the door and said, mom, you don't have to worry. I've got plenty of leftovers. That little boy gave his entire lunch to Jesus, but he did not go away hungry. That little boy wound up with more to eat by giving Jesus everything than he would have if he had kept it all 
to himself. How do you explain that? It's the law of faith. Jesus asks for what he wants. We give him what he asks for. He uses what we give him, and he blesses what he uses. So why do you think this miracle is in the Bible? Why do you think that all four gospel writers made sure they included this story in their gospel? Why do you think we're told clearly that there were 12 baskets left over? When you give everything to Jesus and you trust him to meet your needs, you'll find that Jesus is not only all that you need, but he's more than you'll ever need. There's not a problem that you have that Jesus cannot solve. There's not a hunger that you have that Jesus cannot satisfy. There's not a need you have that Jesus cannot meet. There's not a hurt that you have that Jesus cannot heal. There's not a question you have that Jesus the Savior cannot answer. Give him your money. Give him your marriage. Give him your time. Give him your talents. Give him your love. Give him your life. And when you do, you'll find so many others will be blessed. And you'll enjoy the blessings too. When you live a life of the compassion of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for what we've seen in the life of Jesus and this miracle. Lord, that Jesus is more than enough to satisfy our needs. Father, I pray this morning that as you've spoken to us in our heart, Lord, we may have been thinking what I have to give isn't much. Maybe we've been using that excuse for coming to faith in Christ. Who am I? But yet it's very, the very persons that, that Jesus came and died for on the cross. He died for each and every one of us. He sacrificed his very life so that we could have eternal life. So, Father, I pray this morning for those who don't have faith in Christ, who've never trusted by faith in him as Lord and Savior, that they would call out to him and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross, was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. I not only profess it with my lips, but I believe it in my heart. And I ask you to come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, and I turn to follow you, Jesus. I give you everything. I give you myself and all that I have and all that I am. Take me and use me. And Father, I pray that those who have prayed something like that in their hearts would come this morning to to publicly profess that faith in Christ. But there are many of us who are here as believers who need to pray something similar in that we need to pray, Lord, I've been holding back. I've not been giving my all because I thought it was insignificant. I didn't think, I thought, what, what what is it that I have to offer? And you're calling people this morning, Lord, to come and to give their everything to you. 
some to come and to join this fellowship as we seek to press forward to share the gospel with those around us others lord to simply come and to pray and to give their heart and their uh, to, to renew their heart with you and father i just pray that your will will be done in this time of invitation may jesus be glorified and you be honored take what we have what we give to you what you've asked of us take ourselves and use us lord to be a blessing to others in jesus name we pray amen as we stand as we sing number 321 the savior is waiting will you make your way and come this morning during the invitation uh, don't wait don't hesitate you come right now Welcome everyone today. We also want to celebrate Father's Day. We also want all the men here to receive their in the windows. So if, if y'all will pick one of these up, it's a gift for you that we want to give you to to honor uh, Father's Day. And so uh, they're in the windows or they're at the door. And uh, so uh, the 25th next saturday around 8 to 8 30 we will be here to set up the flags in celebration of fourth of july so if you can come and help with that also next sunday the 26th i have an uh, announcement here from amanda monroe 
is the kids will be speaking about church camp. We will also be taking up a love offering to help them with church camp. We will also be having the Lord's Supper. And most of the time we have our business meeting on this evening. We will not have an evening service so people can celebrate Father's Day with their families and stuff. So, But next Sunday we will have a business meeting. Uh, we'll also, it's, it's going to be a full Sunday. It's a lot going on. We'll have the uh, Amanda and the children will be telling about camp. There will be a love offering. Also, on the 28th, it's tentative that the prime timers are, will be going to Paula Dean up in Nashville at Opryland. If you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet out on the bulletin board. So, And also, a project, uh, a mission project. You know, we on Fridays, we're over here for two hours, and we open the Welcome Center down here for people that's uh, to help the other churches, people's waiting to receive food. We do need some volunteers with that, and so if you can help with that, please let the church office know, you know. Also, if the active deacons will meet with Brother Jim right over here on the piano side right after the uh, morning worship for just a minute. And, uh, and now, I think that's the, all of the announcements. Have I forgot any announcement I need to make? Okay, where's Brian? Brian, there he is. He's my old buddy Brian. He keeps me straight, but if I'd forgot something, he would remind me, and I thank him for that. Our prayer concerns is do remember uh, Gil Williams. He was in a wreck, uh, and he's over in Chattanooga. He had broken his leg. He's had surgery. He's got to have some work on his jaw. And uh, so be in prayer for that family. He's the son of Mike and Jennifer Williams, the grandson of Pat Williams. Also, Miss Amy, our church secretary, fell and she either sprained her ankle or it could even be broke. You know, not sure. She did go to the emergency room and uh, and so she'll be getting the results back on that. I was reminded this morning from Ken Jordan that there was an accident on the way to church. He wasn't involved, but there was a truck that had overturned coming from his house. So be in prayer for uh, those people. Other people that need the Lord in a special way. Uh, and so let's be in prayer for our church and for one another. Any other prayer concerns? Okay. All right. Thank you, Brian. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we do want to thank you for all your many blessings. We want to thank you that we were able to come and to worship into thy house today. We're thankful for our church and for Brother Jim and Brother Matt and, and Brother Mike and others that lead us. We ask that you guide our lives, Father. We ask that you forgive us when we fail thee. Father, we ask that you take this message that we heard today so that we can apply it to our lives so that we can better serve you. Father, we are uh, a uh, people that have been blessed many ways. But Father, asks, the question we should ask is, how are we able to bless others the way that you blessed us? And Father, we ask that you take us home 
now and bring us back safe again. And in your name, we'll give the honor and the praise through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.